0: Welcome to another episode of Opera for Everyone. I'm Keely Heron. I'm Pat Wright. And on today's episode of Opera for Everyone, we are listening to... Semiramide. It is a bel canto opera by Rossini. Ah, so we're continuing in the bel canto
1: style. We have done a number of bel canto operas, and you and I are learning, and possibly also some of our listeners are learning more what this bel canto thing is. Mm -hmm. Beautiful singing is the literal translation, which doesn't give you that much insight into what's going on. But I have to say, if you are curious to know more about what it means for an opera to be bel canto, this is a very good one to pay attention to. Oh, that's
0: good to know. If it's well done. And as we've discussed prior to the recording It's a very challenging opera to sing.
1: I mean, that's my impression because some of the recordings that I've listened to, I'm like, I'm done. Don't want to listen anymore. And some of them, I'm I'm just want to hear what the next note is going to be because you don't necessarily know. It's it's amazing. So I suspect it's a challenging opera to do. It's certainly an opera that's not produced all that often.
0: Right. Because the the current production at the Metropolitan Opera that we'll be showing here at the Center for the Met Live in HD. And we could mention that this is 2018 for posterity's sake. Right. Very, <laughs> very good. Good reminder, Pat. Um, but the this has not been produced at the Met since 1990. Yeah. That's a long spell. So that's Close almost to 30 years. Yeah. Almost 30 years. Yeah.
1: It's a very long spell. And I'm suspecting it's a difficult one to cast mm-hmm. because you need a certain kind of voice and a certain kind of talent. I don't know that for a fact, but I, I would guess.
0: You're But you're quickly becoming sort of an opera expert, aren't you? Uh, that would be too strong a word. <laughs> Give it, Well, you got to do it for 10,000 hours.
1: I'm, yeah. I'm I'm, well, I'm, I'm logging You're the hours, but way. I'm not quite there yet. But it's it's interesting. I'll point it out as we go through with some of these songs, where you really want to listen for some of these uh, decorations, ornamentations mm-hmm. that the singers add to the notes as they go along. Right.
0: But and we'll I don't know what that. the I don't know what the technical term is, but what it sounds like to me is. Uh, <laughs> kind okay. Of. There's a lot of like you know vo- that. Okay, not my best effort. At any rate, there's a lot of the like mm-hmm. vocal gymnastics that happen. The like
1: the- right. In fact, I've heard it described as athletic singing. Ah, okay. Well, so I wasn't that far
0: off. Yeah. Well, this is quite the gymnasium, Semiramide. Okay. Roper room. Okay. So just to set the scene here, Yeah. in today's episode of Opera for Everyone, we are listening to a recording that was conducted by James Conlon at the Metropolitan Opera featuring Dame Joan Sutherland in the lead soprano role. The title role. The title role of Semiramide mm-hmm. and Marilyn Horne in the mezzo-soprano role. Right, which is the lead male character. Oh, right. It's a trouser roll.
1: Yes, although it's interesting. I know that term from Strauss's *Rosencavalier*. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard people explain it that way. I think the best explanation I heard for having the mezzo be the male lead character is that it's a transition between the older style where the lead was, in fact, a castrato, a male who sang... With a soprano voice. Right. With the power of a male voice, but with the pitch of a soprano voice because they their voice never changed. Right. And then what we have happening in the 19th century more commonly is that the tenor, the highest of the, the natural male voices becomes the lead. And that is true, like, straight through the 19th century into the 20th century. Huh. Well, you know it from all the operas that we do. We've joked before about the baritone is the bad guy, right. and, you know, and the bass is like the father or the grand sure. figure or the ghost or, the, or whatever. Yeah, but like the one of those type. in this opera. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so it's interesting. Even in Rosenkavalier, maybe, maybe this should be called a trouser roll, but I just hadn't seen it. These costumes are more like robes than trousers, so maybe that's it. <laughs>
0: It's a robe roll. Okay, so what do we need to know before we get back to the music, Pat? All right, so this is first produced in
1: 1823, so early 19th century. Okay. It's Bel Canto, and mm-hmm. when you talk about Bel Canto, you think of three... Puccini. No, not Puccini. Bellini,
0: Rossini. Right, not Puccini. Linguini. <laughs> and mozzarella. And Carreras. <laughs> All right, <laughs>
1: allow me. <laughs> okay,
0: Bellini, I you know for sure. Right, Bellini and Rossini. Yes, and what's the third one? Donizetti. Oh, Donizetti. We right. just did elixir. De right, because M- oh. I think it sounds like an amaretto drink. Right.
1: Okay. Right. So Rossini is the uh, the first of those. He comes first, and the others come later. Okay. So he, he's really in this, this transitional period, but he is the earlier, the older of these three bel canto greats. So there's that. That's what you need to know. It's nice to know if you care about story that the story of Semiramis. It's an ancient legend, but the librettist and Rossini are basing this particular work on a story of this old legend that was written by Voltaire, our old oh, friend. Oh,
0: of Candide.
1: Yes, fame. he is. He is most famous for having written Candide. That came out in 1759. So, oh wow middle of the 18th century. Mm-hmm. Um, this is about 10 years earlier that he writes Semiramis, but it's, you know, it's in there. And it's it's not a bad thing to just recall who Voltaire was because some of the ideas that Voltaire, and, and again, a little bit of history that you probably don't need to remember, one of those sort of pinpoint places in history that it helps to know about is the French Revolution. And Voltaire is writing pre-French Revolution, but he's he's writing about a lot of those ideas of uh, freedom of religion, freedom of speech, separation of church and state, things that sound very comfortable Normal and familiar to now, a modern American because our government is a product of the Enlightenment, sure. of which Voltaire was and, a part And
0: largely informed by some of the ideas that the
1: French were Promoting well, it wasn't just the French, but but the Enlightenment ideas. Absolutely, absolutely. So Voltaire is our is our basis for this story, but it's an ancient story, and it is set in the Great Assyrian Kingdom, the Neo Assyrian Kingdom, in the eighth century BCE. But you don't really need to know too much about that, other than that it was a huge empire in the Middle
0: East. Okay, That's huge you- empire in the Middle East, seventh century BCE. Eighth century, century BCE. Eighth century BCE, written by Rossini in the bel canto style, first performed in 1823. Based on a story written by Voltaire. Voltaire in the 18th century. Well done. And you didn't okay. even have your opera home. crush crushing it, crushing <laughs> it. I'm getting better at these things.
1: <laughs> and so the action is in the Assyrian Empire, and it's in the, the great city of Babylon. Oh, I've heard of that. Yes, you have. Right. Yes, yes. And it's, you know, that's kind of our setting. Okay. And the opera is going to open once we finish the overture. By the way, overtures were not necessarily deeply, you know, we think of overtures for musicals in American musical theater. Right, they
0: set the stage. Where they
1: grab like little snippets of the songs from, that wasn't so common in this period, although there are a few of the themes that show up in this one, but it's more than we need to go into right now. All right, so we open on the character of the high priest of Baal, and he is there to talk to the gods and ask for their favor. And we're going to skip his song. He's wonderful. And we're going to listen to some of his singing later on. He's bass because he's a high priest that you could almost right. guess that would be sure. a base, I right? Was,
0: well, yeah, it's always the like the mythical, mystical type characters, magical characters.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. And I think we should let you know that Assyria at this point doesn't properly have a king. This great empire does not have a king and they are awaiting a king. It has a queen, who is the widow of the former king. But let's jump ahead and listen, and we'll fill in the blanks. Let's go ahead and listen to one of our songs. This is a fabulous trio. We have our high priest, and we have two other characters. We will introduce them afterwards. But I think we can have a lovely vocal introduction here. And this is, My heart quivers in my breast upon hearing and seeing him. I can hardly conceal my wrath.
2: Aspecto, Fremers, Ego, Evento, Fremers, Ego, Evento, Steros, Ego, 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 Lord, and I tell you, Lord, let me tell you,
0: Lord,
2: and nel petto, you, Lord, let me tell Chain of a single chain chain of a single chain chain of a single chain cielo a single of a single chain of a single
0: just tuned in. You're listening to Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL. And on today's show, we are listening to the opera Semiramide by Rossini. We are. And we
1: are in ancient Assyria. And Assyria needs a king. Or at least that's what they're telling us. So uh, we started with our high priest who sang to Baal. So that's Assur, No, that is not. This is the one whose name, I'm trying to avoid sayings because I just would rather call him the high priest. It's Oro. Uh, or Orae, And half the time when they write it, people write it <laughs> Oreo. <laughs> it's O-R-O-E, but don't flip the O in the, uh, never mind.
0: Okay. Um, we'll just call him... The high priest. The high priest. Yeah, the high priest. That seems
1: like a good compromise. He, he, is, a, he is a man with gravitas. But Asur is actually, let's see. He wants to be king. He's the hunky looking one on stage. Right. He is also a base. He is the most martial looking on stage. He's got a great military, military. bearing. Huh, okay. And um, he's a very self-confident man And I'll explain why shortly. But he was one of the other men in the trio. And then the third was Idrino. And he is a prince from India who has come to to try out for the role of king. I'm I'm not really sure how he expects to get that. But he is highborn. He is well-positioned. He's got his amount of supporters. Uh, he seems to be a decent guy. I can even say that he's through like a the kingly opera. candidate. He's a kingly candidate, and he's you know he's kind of fancies the women on that level as well. So there he is. And and prior to this, he has sung a song that says, you know, I bring you presents from the Ganges. You know, please accept my offer to be of help to you. And the chorus lets us know. By the way, the chorus has quite a role in this opera. The chorus, you know, reminds me of a Greek opera where they're really filling us in along the way. Uh, Right. Yep. And telling us what's going on. So the chorus has let us know on this day, we really want Assyria to have a new king, a successor, because they have not had a king for 15 years since the prior king died. The queen has been ruling, but that doesn't count. Right. not a king. (laughs) Right. Unless you're Britain or... Yeah. 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 Or... Ancient Egypt. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> All right. But the queen is the one who is tasked with assigning a new king.
0: Is so how she it's doesn't have to, to marry us.
1: him. She just chooses or? What they've told us, the system here is that she will select a new king. Okay. And they refer to the prior king, the deceased king, uh, Ninus, and they need to sit on the Ninos' throne and Asur is letting us know pretty clearly he expects that position to be his. Mm-hmm. And the queen this, is won't... The,
0: this is the beefy, the beef
1: cake. The beefy guy, the mm-hmm. beefy base.
0: Yeah. He's like,
1: the queen, she knows how faithful. She knows what I've done. She knows. And she's going to reward me. She's going to reward my loyalty. Yeah.
0: Is this foreshadowing? Do we find out later? Like, oh, shall I just spill the beans for you? I don't, I, I mean, I don't know.
1: You're in charge. Well, anyway, so. It gets pretty complicated, but she, Asur, and the queen, Semiramide, are lovers. Yeah. Okay. That's what I was getting at. So that's part of why, you know. Bring him <laughs> he,
0: knows, he knows that
1: she's going to favor him.
0: She's going to reward my loyalty. Right.
1: <laughs> so, needless to say, Asur and Adreno, both who think they have a shot at the throne, uh-huh. are the ones who are singing at each other in this trio, like... Like, I really hate this guy. I really hate this guy. He really annoys me. Right. Which, think for a minute the tune we just heard. It was pretty peppy little happy tune, wasn't it? Yeah, it didn't sound like, you're
0: awful, I hate you. It was not
1: this grand threatening thing. This is something just to bear in mind. And it happens throughout this opera. Not knowing the words, not knowing what the story is. If you just listen to the tune of the songs, you don't necessarily figure it out. There are some... Opera songs that you'll listen to, yeah, where you can tell through the music, right? I mean, that was a drum that Wagner beat all the time. That the music needs to reflect the emotion of the storyline at that point, right?
0: But perhaps in the bel canto tradition, it's not
1: as well. I mean, Gluck made that point as well in the 18th century, but this does not seem to be a major concern of Rossini's.
0: And there he are he just a lot wants of to make beautiful music, and the nuances of the story are told in the words. Exactly. And then the action on stage, maybe.
1: Yes. And yes. the fact
0: that Asur has big biceps and walks around with no clothes on. Well, that, much. you know, it kind of depends on who you've cast in the role. Right, I
1: suppose. Who's doing your direction and all of that. But yeah, he's, that's where he is. That's where he is. And the, and the chorus then tells us after all of this, they're not really paying attention to these men arguing with each other. But the chorus is just, just real happy they're going to get a king. They're very happy they're going to get a king. So, Seems reasonable. Yeah. In fact, let's, let's listen to another piece
0: from this opera. Okay. So this is Di Tanti Regni e Popli.
1: Witness the hopes and fears of these kings and peoples.
0: If you've just tuned in, you're listening to Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL. And this is the opera Semiramide by Rossini.
2: thought
1: So that was our queen? That was our queen, and and, uh, most of our major characters, most, not all, of our major characters eagerly, well, she's showing some hesitation, but they're all gathered, and they are eagerly awaiting and reminding her that this is the time for her to make a decision and select a new king. And then all of a sudden... There's this flash and smoke, and it seems to be a terrible sign from the gods because the sacred fire has died. What? And the angered heavens thunder, grow dark, and the temple quakes. What a
0: predicament! They sing. So this is a little,
1: <laughs> this is a little concerning because it's
0: a, it's an important uh, time. And
1: well, Semiramis turns to the high priest and she says. Okay, you're the one who understands the gods. What's going on here? And the high priest says, uh, well, clearly they are
0: they're not happy.
1: They're not happy because there are crimes that remain hidden, crimes that
0: remain unpunished. Uh oh. Uh oh. Does it have to do with Asur? And
1: Semiramis? Mab. Definitely. Uh-uh. <laughs> It might not be what you're thinking, though. Okay. Oh wow! I can't wait to
0: find out what it is.
1: Yeah, this will remind you. By the way, there are echoes of some uh, other very famous stories that you will find. I mean, there's a little bit of Hamlet here. There's a little bit of Oedipus here. Oh. We've got we've got uh, some of these elements of these stories that that pop up. The high priest says, "Well, don't worry. Perhaps the hour of revenge." and of peace is at hand. And Semiramide is not for the first time, but she's repeatedly saying, he's not here yet. He's not here yet. Oh, if only Arsace would return. So we're waiting for Arsace and we're thinking, who is this Arsace? Well, let us meet Arsace.
0: And this is the one that's played by Marilyn Horne.
1: Yes, so this is, Arsace is a man. He's a soldier. Mm -hmm. He's a prince from Scythia. Okay. Which is north of the Black Sea, but, you know, within distance of travel for this empire. And and we're going to have a fabulous introduction to him where he sings, I'm in Babylon at last. And this takes place, we're told, although I didn't see it in the staging of the one I watched, Among the Hanging Gardens
0: of Babylon. Ooh, gorgeous. If you've just tuned in, this is Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL. And on today's episode, we're listening to Semiramide by Rossini. So that is Prince Arsace, Arsace in Babylon
1: at last. In ba- this is our Scythian prince who's arrived in Babylon at last, and he's sung about the, um, the awesome presence that he feels of Baal, this god in whose temple he stands. And he lets us know, I have the heart of a warrior, and I was raised amidst the horrors of war, and I respect the gods. But I'm wondering, what does this god want of me? And then he says, and this is important for tying Arsace hymn, played by Marilyn Horn here in this recording, always played by Mezzo, this role. My dying father sent me here, but why? And the queen, Semaramede, she summoned me, but why? But I have raced to Babylon on the wings of love, love for Adzima. Who is this Edzima you're asking? Yeah. Who is Adzima? Well, he goes on to sing and tell us that I remember that glorious, joyful day when we were among barbarians and I was able to save her from her captors and preserve her honor. I escaped with her in my arms. And when I held her to help her escape, I felt her heart throbbing. And he's he's desperately in love with this Adzima. And he's going to sing a song that we're going to listen to next, where he lets us know that from that day, everything changed for me. Her gaze cast a spell on me. My heart began to burn. The heavens opened up and love spread through me. I shall never forget Adzima and that day. And this is a beautiful piece of bel canto singing. So let's talk a little bit about bel canto just to get our ears ready for this. One of the things, and we know it means beautiful singing, but one of the things that you need to know with bel canto, and I hadn't really realized this, is that bel canto not only has beautiful tone, which is essential, which is why not, not every opera singer is cut mm-hmm. out for it. Why it's challenging. It needs just absolute, perfect, virtuosic technique. So you're going to hear many notes at various points, you'll hear uh, quite a number of notes close together. But what is not permitted is what I think they call glissade, where you kind of blend slide. them as you slide mm-hmm. you know, up and down. Each one has to be its own kind of staccato, hit it note. Right. And you hear little scales and arpeggios and all these little decorations. And that is definitely part of the bel canto tradition. The other part that's very interesting that I hadn't realized until I did a little more digging... Is that very often? I mean, I don't know how much it happens now, but I certainly in in the in its heyday, there's there's improvisation, kind of like jazz in its way. Really, in that, oftentimes the words are sung through once as written, mm-hmm. and then they're revisited, and little bits of pieces of decoration. I mean, to me, it sounds like jazz, right? The idea that these little things are added, changed by the artist and embellished and it doesn't have to be the same and and it's confusing in the case of Rossini for example because he would like write a few notes to give you the idea like this is what I'm kind of thinking but mm-hmm. have fun with it and so sometimes those are just sung as written by the composer and sometimes it's interpreted with that sense of improvisation and i'm told that Marilyn Horn is quite good at the improvisation part of this. Oh. So this, let's listen to her singing this song about how much she loves Adzima. And so the uh, Italian is, oh, come da quel di tutto. From that day, everything changed.
0: Well, that was Bel Canto. That was pretty impressive. It was while we were listening to this, and you were pointing out the parts where she was improvising. You could see yeah. how that would be a difficult thing for an opera singer to just be like, "Yeah, I'm just going to get up there, throw and in a few extra notes, just here. do the thing." Yeah,
1: no, it's amazing. Speaking of virtuosity, right? Mm-hmm. That was it. All those extra what to me, you know seem to me like extra little notes, but it's decorative, it's ornamental, it's it's just pretty. Mm-hmm. um and powerful, yeah.
0: So, Pat, do you think that in this particular opera, is the role of Arsace actually more challenging than Semiramide? Oh, now we've totally
1: gotten above my pay grade with that question. Uh, I know because Semiramide, she's got quite she's got quite a lot of singing to do and a lot of her own. Repetitions of lines where she's got to add and and make it beautiful. And Rossini did write some suggestions and notes and things so that you know it's not entirely. And 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 by the way, this improvisation is not as spontaneous mm-hmm. as maybe it's that. It's not word. like a rap battle or something no, where they're just no. going in there cold. But they but but it gives the um, the singers the artists freedom to show their stuff. I mm-hmm. mean, and that is part of the bel canto tradition that it's really. Singer centric; it's really focused on the singers. It's like a
0: beautiful, a beautiful frame for a work of art. Yes,
1: yes, and their their singing abilities is is that that power is what people wanted out of these kinds of operas. I, I did learn something else interesting about the tradition of the time, is that when they would do these amazing vocal feats on the stage, and and you know they would get an ovation. You know, in the modern world, when a singer gets, you know, people go crazy for what they've done. They kind of freeze frame, right? They just freeze and they take it in. Mm-hmm. They wait and it's for as if time is not too. passing for that character. But in the original Bel Canto era in the early 19th century, they would totally just break character, walk to the front of the stage, take their bows, you know, receive the flowers that are thrown, you know, right, right there in the middle when they've just done that great thing. We don't wait for the you know
0: for the interval for right. That or well, for it's the like end. they stick the dismount and then the crowd goes wild, yes. and then they kind of go around and do their celebration dance. Yeah, and then they go back to
1: it once nice. the once that calms down. But we don't. But that that would strike a modern audience, theater goer, weird. opera goer as uh, inappropriate. Right. We don't do that anymore. They mm. they they just freeze. They don't want to break the fourth wall. Right.
0: Not not yet. All so right. That's kind of fun. So, Arsache has just said, like, oh, I'm in love with Ativa, and I don't know why that I'm back here. He's told us, like, I'm here.
1: These are the people who want me here. Mm -hmm. I'm glad to be here because there's this pretty lady. Mm -hmm. And by the way, Arsache has come in with some attendants carrying a big box of stuff. We haven't opened it yet, but Mm. we're about to. Okay. yeah, It's like Amazon Prime just showed up. Something like that. <laughs> Actually, this is this is some old stuff in the box. This is not new stuff. Oh, okay. It's not like a set of sheets or something. It's... No. In fact, he presents it to the high priest. And the high priest says, I was waiting for you, Arsache. Oh. Like, yeah. Um, and Arsache says, well, my father's last wish was for me to come here and to bring this to you. And um, here you go. And the high priest opens this big box. Mm -hmm. And he says, oh, here they are, the sacred relics of the greatest of kings. And here is the dreadful document of death, the royal crown. Worship this crown. And look, this is his sword. This sword will be used to avenge him. Remember, this is the king who died 15 years earlier. Um, He said, this fearsome sword conquered Asia, subjugated Egypt, but it was powerless against treason and against poison. So we know what treason is, right? Someone from within. Yeah. Betrayed and hurt the
0: king. Mm. Somebody poisoned him, one of his own. And
1: therefore he poisoned him. And and the high priest seems to know all this, and he's sharing it with Arsace. Um, And Arsace is... Surprised and he says, Well, well who would do such a thing? And the high priest says, Well, it's still a secret. And he says, But the king. He was betrayed and he was killed. Not not so nice. Not so nice. So does everybody know this, or just the priest? Um I the priest seems to know more than anyone else. I don't think people know that he was Poisoned, uh, murdered. Yeah, right. I think you know, he died. Um, and we're also told that the son that, uh, that he had with his queen, Semiramis disappeared, died, presumed. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm raising my eyebrow, yeah, no, I'm I know. arching my eyebrow at you right now. Hmm. Hmm. Yes, you've, you've heard a story before, once or twice, you might be figuring it out, but we'll leave it there. And, um, well, Fradate, just a name, not a character we see, um, is just someone you need to know because there is this, this is the father that um, Arsace refers to. He says, my, when my, my dying father sent me here, that's uh, Fradate. Um, and we're going to move on to a new song. And this is a, a fabulous duet. This is um, This might be my favorite song in the entire opera. I love this duet because we have Arsace singing with Asur. Do we remember who the Asur is? The prince who is Semiramis' lover. Yes, he—he he is the. Um, I don't even think he's a prince, but he's—he's he's a, a a military hero who is Semiramis' oh, he is a prince. I'm sorry. Um, he is Semiramis' lover, mm-hmm. and he's he's a very successful soldier. And you know, as he said before. He's loyal. The queen knows the good things that I've done. Right. She knows what, and she'll reward me. I'm quite sure of it. Um, and Arsace encounters him, and, you know, Arsace and he are not on the same wavelength. is thrilled to be back in Babylon because he's in love with this wonderful princess Itzima. who lives in Babylon. And um, and he says to Assur, you care only for the throne. Um and Asur's just like, You're an upstart. You're impudent. You're and why are you even here? You're from Scythia, for heaven's
0: sake. <laughs> right? And well, so, the Indian prince is there, right? I mean
1: Yeah. Yeah. But but there's there seems to be something that other people seem to be responding to in Arsace that's really getting under the skin of Asur. Asur's not seeing the Indian prince as a threat. He is seeing Arsache as a threat. Oh, I see. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. So let's let's listen to their little duet. Okay. Which is um
0: a tender love. A tender love. Do di tenero amore. Right. Does that sound right? Yeah, that does sound right to me. All right. You're listening to Opera for Everyone on 891 K H O L. So that was Arsache and Assur, and they were arguing. Couldn't tell it from the music. In could air you? quotes, they were arguing. Oh, they were definitely arguing. Was Although, so but it sounded like they were like. It did not sound like they were arguing. Yeah,
1: yeah. Hey, bro, let's go out and get some beers. No, they're they are they are <laughs> they are in serious argument. Again, this is a little bit of what I was talking about, where the. The quality of the music is not necessarily, Mm -hmm. doesn't read the way the words read. Right.
0: It's kind of like having an argument with a British person. (laughs) Where they're like, right, well, I think that, you know, I mean, I, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they'll say the most horrible things, but they say it in such a nice way (laughs) that you have no idea. You've just been cut to pieces. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, here... As I said before, Arsace
1: is is throwing in Asur's face. You only love the throne. You don't care about anything. But Asur does not want Arsace to have the Princess Edzima because it seems that the Princess Edzima carries along with her the likelihood that her the become her bow will become the king. Her exact position is not super well explained here. But there's an assumption. Um, so
0: Adzima is Semiramide's daughter.
1: See, here's why I'm confused. And maybe it's just, you know, my Confusing. modern sensibilities about who gets to marry whom and who oughtn't to marry whom. But initially, the son, the one who, who disappeared and presumed dead, of Semiramide and King Ninus, Ninya, was betrothed to Adzima. Oh. So in other words, like she was betrothed to the heir apparent
0: before he, he was gone. And then when he left she was still the princess. She's still a princess. Even though she's not necessarily I'm not sure who her parents lineage. are, is what I'm right. saying. Okay. I mean
1: maybe maybe they are. And maybe it was a brother sister thing as
0: I mean we know happened in ancient Egypt. Right. This is eight years before the Common Era, so long time ago. Centuries. But yes. Yeah. Yeah Eight centuries. <laughs> oh, I'm so pathetic. No, you're good. You're good. <laughs> it's fine. You it's know, fine. minutes, years, same thing. <laughs> it's all relative.
1: It's all relative. At any anyway, rate, they're arguing. You know, he's saying, you know, you think you're a nice guy. You're not a nice guy. No, I don't think I'm a nice guy. But I'm going to get that throne. Is basically what Osur is telling us, and he's arsache is like, fine, whatever. Uh, it's Adzima is the only thing I really care for. And Asur is just so angry. He's like, hi, I, I can And this, the end is when he was telling us he's so angry. My heart cannot restrain itself against such boldness. In vain you contend with me for the throne. You must give up Adzima or tremble for your life. And we're going to listen to the very next song. Adzima says, I'm not afraid of you. To Asur. Yeah, because Asur is being very threatening.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he's got a sword on his belt and everything. Right. And he's walking around with his arms exposed. He's like, welcome to the gun show. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay, well, let's listen to L'Autre Mar, Diti, I'm Afraid of You. Right? Yeah, and he
1: says, you may rule. You may end up ruling, Asur, but you will never be my
0: king. Throwing some shade. You're listening to Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL, and this is Lo Tremar DT from Semiramide by Puccini. No, Rossini. Bellini. <laughs> Rossini. Fettuccini. <laughs> Rossini. <laughs> Sorry, Pat. It's okay. Glad you're here.
1: Assur and Arsace. Yeah. And you got a little better sense, I think,
0: from that music that they're
1: arguing with each other. Yeah.
0: So, Pat, as we get ready to wrap up the first hour of the show. But Pat, not the first act of the opera. The, not, not, <laughs> no. In traditional opera for everyone fashion, we're going to do a race to the finish in the second half of the show. We can see it coming. <laughs> but uh, how would you like to wrap up on the on the first half? I think we should get a little listen to this
1: woman who everyone is talking about at Zima. I think that's a great idea.
2: in cui deciso sarà il destino della Siria e il mio parla una volta di sperar passio il tuo cuore, la tua
3: destra.
2: Come on.
0: Listening to Opera for Everyone, a radio show and podcast that makes opera understandable, accessible, and enjoyable for a mainstream audience. It airs Sundays from 9 to 11 a.m. Mountain Time on 89 KHOL in Jackson, Wyoming. KHOL is Wyoming's only community radio station. Opera for Everyone is hosted by me, Keely Heron, and me, Pat Wright. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes
1: or SoundCloud. And like our Facebook page, Opera for Everyone, where you can also send us a message. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening. And we hope you enjoy the second half of today's episode.
0: Welcome back to the second half of today's episode of Opera for Everyone. I'm Keely Heron. I'm Pat Wright. And on today's episode, we are listening to Semiramide by Rossini. Rossini, one of our great bel canto composers from the early 19th century. And on the last half of the show, we went out and we had just been introduced; just barely had a chance to meet Princess Azima. Yes, she's been talked about, but this is the first we've seen, well, first we've heard her
1: And what do we need to know about the lovely princess Etzima? Well, she's actually a tiny bit of a mystery to me, but no matter. She had been betrothed to the son of the king and queen, Semiramide, title of the opera. That's also the name of our queen. In the action of the show, her husband has died 15 years prior. King Ninus. King Nunus and Ninia, their son at that time, also disappeared, presumed dead. And they had been betrothed. And there is this implication that whoever wins her hand, whoever marries her, will will get the throne. Will become king. Exactly. And so Asur has told us, Asur, the lover of the queen, mm-hmm. Asur has told us that he is betrothed now to Adzima Adzima, and Which uh, is very convenient and also... Creepy. Oh, there's a lot of creepiness here. Yes. <laughs> yes, indeed. But what she's singing in this piece right here is that I am so happy because now Arsace is in Babylon. Because you remember, Arsace sang quite a lot about Edzima and how he how fell his in love with her. How his life was changed forever. When he fell in love with when her. He Be- saw her, he saved her. Right. Yes. And she also fell in
0: love with him when he saved her. So it was love at first save. <laughs>
1: Indeed, it really was.
0: That was such a dumb joke, Pat. I'm glad you laughed at it.
1: (laughs) I like all kinds of jokes, Keely. You (laughs) You should know that by now. That's why we're friends. (laughs) Well, so she loves him, he loves her, but there's this messy trouble of Asur Asur and his big
0: biceps. (laughs) Well, and his determination to get the throne. Mm -hmm. He Uh, doesn't really love Azima, he just wants to be king.
1: Well, that is exactly the song that we heard. Sache sing a moment right. ago, as you'll recall. Right. <laughs> so speaking of, as you recall, Keeley. Oh,
0: no. Why do I all, <laughs> like, how many times? And I I always get blindsided. I know, I know. We're talking during the quiet bit here, and you're not mentioning it. I'm like, is she going to remember about oh, Abraham- the opera helmet time? Helmet quiz? Okay, I'm putting my opera helmet on. All right. So we are set in the 8th century BCE, not eight not eight years before, <laughs> but the 8th century BCE in Assyria, which is somewhere in what is now the Middle East. It's the Assyrian kingdom. It's, it's the Assyrian kingdom. In the city of Babylon. And the city of Babylon, right. And our main, our title character, Queen Semiramide, is about to declare who will become king because... Her husband Nino Ninus? Ninus Ninus has been gone for 15 years and dead. Dead. And yeah. when he died, also their son, Ninius, or Nino, or some version Ninia, also disappeared. And so here we are 15 years later. We're gonna declare a new king. And Semiramide's covert lover is Asur. And he Assumes that he's going to be king, and he is quote unquote betrothed to the princess Azima, who is not necessarily a blood relative of Semiramis. That's a little fo- foggy. We don't really know. She's a princess, but she was originally betrothed to Nino. But then, when King Ninus died and Ninio or whatever <laughs> went away, then she just became princess because. You know, Semiramide was like, hey, you might as well just hang around, I guess. Um, And then, because there's going to be a new king declared, a king from India came and brought a bunch of gifts. And then, also, this guy, Arsache, also showed up with a box of gifts and he showed them to the high priest guy whose name we can't pronounce, sometimes called Oreo. (laughs) Or just the high priest. And in the box was a bunch of um, relics that it alerted the high priest that there was something going on with Arsache and he's special. And Arsache's like, what? And the high priest is like, not everybody knows what's going on. So I'm not really going to say anything. I'm just going to act mysterious. <laughs> yeah. And then is like, whatever. And then Arsache and Asur have a Rap battle where they sing the same thing to each other like, You're not my king, you're going down, I'm gonna be king, I don't like you. But it really sounds like they're just like, Tra la 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 la. Right, because and they're also
1: singing about um, their contest over Edzima,
0: Zima. And Asur's like, I'm gonna get her, and is like, No, you're not, she's in love with me, and I rescued her, and we, we fell in love immediately, so you're going down. And then Asur and Arsache go their separate ways. And then we meet Azima and she comes in and she talks about how excited she is that Arsache, her true love, has returned to Babylon.
1: That's right. And seen. And seen. Nice. And a little bit more about what gets said in that song is that she says, it's going to be okay because Queen Semiramis gets to decide who I marry. And oh. she's not going to give me to that awful Asur, she believes.
0: Oh. Uh, so likes she me. doesn't know about Semiramide and Asur.
1: No, they've been pretty They just success. keep that on the DL. Yeah, they do. They absolutely do. And I think we heard a little bit of a tenor voice there at the end of Atzima's song. Yes. And that is our Indian prince, Idrimo, coming in because... He realizes if if he because he's a real nice guy, he uh, realizes he's going to try to woo her. Right. And then and that will be his entree into the, you know, besides the gifts and stuff. Right. But he'll get into the upper echelon. And um, she's not, re- you know, you're like, you're a nice guy. Dreamo's in the
0: friend zone. <laughs> he's just he is tailor made for the friend zone. Right. Exactly. Is that exactly. the deal? He just can't get over the chump hump. He's like, hey, girl, I got no game.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's not necessarily anything terrible about him. It's just that she's already. Picked he's the in the person. friend zone. She's in love with someone
0: else. Okay. All right. She's in love
1: with it's someone else. It's not a dreamo's fault. No, it's really not. It's really not. And he, when he realizes he's getting nowhere, he's like, well, if someone else has your heart. Who is my rival? And then he just instantly says, oh, it's, gotta it's a be sore. That, A sore. It's got to be that. Because he's sore. a
0: beefcake. He's walking around flexing his muscles all the time. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> and,
1: and she doesn't really, you know, she's just not going to be bothered denying that. She's just like, it's not you, my friend you nice guy and all but no right. but no and adrino has a, a wonderful <laughs> song he sings where which we're not going to listen to sorry you'll have to uh, you know catch it when you do the whole opera right. in whatever fashion you choose maybe one of those hd broadcasts perhaps perhaps adrino says put me to the test because he's feeling like i can do this i can totally do this i i i have love for you i i'm cut out for this job i don't understand why i'm just striking in the friend out zone. here
3: <laughs>
1: um, so that that doesn't work out super well, but we are going to hear a fabulous song coming up next and it's going to be about a beautiful enchanting day.
0: I wish I could speak Italian. Will you help me out here? Oh my gosh. Bel radio. Oh my gosh, that's a tough one. I know, I know. Bel Radio Lucignia, a beautiful, enchanting day,
1: and this is Semiramide singing, and she is uh she's setting us up. And and I, one place I read, they described this particular number mm-hmm. as the score's most dazzling number. Prepare and, to be dazzled, and a famous soprano showpiece.
0: I prefer everyone, listeners, put on your shades because this <laughs> is going to be dazzling. <laughs> Wow.
1: Yeah, that was that was quite something. And in fact, this, the next song that, that follows is along the same theme, mostly where she is singing about how happy she is that Arsace is there. I'm not really sure I understand why she knows she's so deeply in love with Arsace. But, I mean, he's been a successful soldier. He's conquered, you know, he's done great service for the empire. But she's totally smitten with Arsace. The next song also "Sweet Thought," and she talks about how wonderful it is. But we have actually our final named character showing up here. He's a minor character, mm-hmm. but he brings
0: important news. Uh-huh. Can I can I just ask a point of clarification? Yes. Okay. So in that last song, she's like, "It's such a wonderful day." I'm so happy. All the fears left, and da, da 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 da. It's because she's in love with Arsace, and she's gonna make him king, and then they're gonna be together. Yes. Even though she's yes. a lot older than him. And yes. Blah 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 blah. And the king? Well, no, no, no. The high priest. Do you knows. remember I said Shades of Oedipus? Yes. Yeah. Just bear that in mind. Yeah. Okay. I'm. <laughs> that's where I was going, and I'm just <laughs> double checking to make sure I'm not missing something. Not yet. Okay. All right. Well. Let's move on to the next song.
1: Well, the next character, Mitrane, is one of the officials in the palace, and he brings a message from the oracle at Memphis. They've sent to someone to the oracle at Memphis to to shine light upon this great task they have to select a new king. Yeah, I like, knew
0: there was an oracle at Delphi. I didn't know there was an oracle at Memphis. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, people like to consult oracles. Are there lots of oracles? No. There's, There's Memphis and Delphi. There may
1: be others. I right. didn't really brush okay. up on my All right. Oracle Sorry. locations. Sorry, I just got distracted. So the message has come. Uh, Mitrani receives a papyrus roll. From the Oracle. And she reads it. And it says, Your sufferings will end and you shall find peace again with Arsace's return, a new marriage. Mm.
0: So how she was already happy. Now she's, Over the moon. Because the oracle has foreseen this inevitable conclusion. Right. But if you know anything about oracles in the ancient world, you know...
1: They're confusing? It's not always clear their meaning. Mm. Although this one sounds clear, and if you want to hear a certain thing, you'll hear it. Your sufferings will end. You shall find peace again with Arsace's return and
0: a new marriage. If I were the queen and I was in love with this guy that just showed up, mm-hmm. I would probably think that. So, yes, and she does.
1: And and so do we. When why not? Why wouldn't we think that as well? Mm-hmm. But I guess maybe I'm telling you you shouldn't be thinking that.
0: Well, because we already know that he's in love with Azima and Azima's in love with him. So apparently the queen has no idea. Apparently. Okay. Apparently. So she's gotten what she assumes
1: to be the blessing right. of the gods mm-hmm. through the oracle. And she tells uh, Mitrane, hurry up, bring me our sache, and uh, prepare for a wedding. It's time to get married. Um, I want a wedding with royal pomp and I want everyone gathered around me. And I'm going to explain to them what is going on. She's a happy lady. Let's listen to the next song which is keep your heart, your feelings, and always be faithful to me. This is a wonderful, wonderful duet with uh, Semiramide and Arsace because she, she summoned Arsace and he shows up and the two of them start this song. And this is the other contender, I think, for, for best song in the show, and, and partly just because of what it says. I read that this was described as a
0: duet, of mutual misunderstanding. That's what I was just going to say. Like, she's going to start singing about love and marriage. And he's going to be like, yes, I'm going to marry Atzima. But he's not going to say her name. Right. And he's going to say, oh, I'm so excited, too. And then about halfway through, like, the needle on the record just goes, Arr! and they're both like, what? Yeah. Let's listen. Okay. <laughs> You're listening to Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL. So did they realize that they were singing about different people in that? Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. So that's still all the just like, happy and hooray, my heart Joy. for you. you. I love you.
1: And Arsace proclaims his love for the queen, but as a queen. Right.
0: Not as a woman. I will live for you. I will serve you. I will give you everything. She's
1: hearing it the way she wishes to hear it. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. 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 So, there That's we are. not
0: going to get messy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, not at all. And now we move into one of the halls in the palace, mm-hmm. and we have Asur speaking to the high priest. Asur is remembering it's been 15 years, and he says, since you left the palace, so the high priest has kind of withdrawn, and now he's back, you know, during this period of time when they're trying to select a new king. And the, the high priest says, oh, yeah, it was a horrible night. When the wicked hand of death subjected our kingdom to grief and despair, robbing Syria of its good king and abducting his son Ninya, and he wants to know uh, Assur, <clears throat> where were you fifteen years ago? Do you remember that night? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and Assur brushes him aside. He's like, "Yes, I remember, but but you know what? What's really important is today. Today, it's going to be good for Assyria. There's going to be mm-hmm. peace and happiness and splendor and a new king." And the Arsace guy is annoying, but we can take care of him. And uh, the high priest just looks at him and goes, "Arsace is very dear to the gods." So you can see these these two bases are having a, a little
0: standoff, a little standoff, a little detente,
1: a little a little sense that they don't see eye to eye. It about appears the word. we have
0: reached an impasse. <laughs>
1: And the chorus also wants to know who's going to be king, and they're going to sing about that for a little bit. But I think at this stage, we need to just get to the end of Act One. (laughs) Yeah, this
0: is a complicated—well, you said before we started that this
1: is beefy. This is a a lengthy opera. It's complicated, it's long, it's rich, and so we're going to— Talk us through the end of several songs we're going to gloss over here. Okay. So that we can at least get to the second act. Copy that. <laughs> uh, and we will have a classic opera for everyone, Race, Race to, the to the Finish. Race to the Finish. So amongst the assembled crowd, the chorus tells you they, they're waiting to hear who's going to be king. And Semiramide comes in all looking beautiful and regal and says, I'm going to tell you who your king will be. But first you must all swear that you will respect my choice and you will show great loyalty and service to the new king. So there's a lot of singing about loyalty and yes, yes, of course, we'll do that, yes. And she, you think that's done, and then she kind of does it again. And (laughs) so this is a big point for her. She tells us, she says, my choice is our country's greatest hero in war and in peace, and he will be king, and he will also be my husband. And the assembled people are shocked. And then she announces that man is Arsace. And everyone is stunned, including Arsace. Right? Because he's like, I didn't sign up for this. I'm like, I just, I was talking to you about marrying Edzima." I think that's what I was saying to you. So he's shocked. They're shocked. Edzima's bummed out. Edzima's badly bummed out. Asura is displeased <laughs> that is putting it mildly <laughs> exactly exactly but remember our old friend edrina the messenger the, yeah no not no Adrina is the is the indian prince the, fr- oh, the friend oh, zone oh, guy oh, yeah. yeah yeah so he sees. jumpy he sees all of this and he's like uh i think i see an opportunity here yeah hey queen Queen, you're in a really good mood. Would you do me a favor, please? Put in a good word for me with Edzima over here. Well, more to the point, may I marry Edzima? And she's like, oh, yes, of course. Sure. She's all yours. Have fun. so, you know, also continuing to enrage Asur. <laughs> but, you know, Adrina's like, yes, score one for the good guys. Right. <laughs> um, and is and just like, I-, I just wanted to marry Edzima. I don't. I don't need the throne. And at this point, it's one of those thunder and right like, the oracle, the gods. The god it's not the oracle, but it's but it is a message from the great beyond, and the ghost of the murdered king appears. <gasps> really? The ghost of the murdered king Ooh. comes and he is not content.
0: This is like the Don Giovanni. A little bit, a little bit. When the Comandante comes back to life and says, Don Giovanni. (laughs) Well, in this case, the ghost says, Arsace,
1: you shall reign, but first there are crimes to be punished. Remember, it was a little Mm -hmm. bit like what we read in that letter. Mm -hmm. You must boldly descend into my tomb and sacrifice a victim to my ashes. Follow the advice of the high priest. Think of your father. Serve my son. So, yeah, we're all a little trembling right now Mm -hmm. because when somebody rises up from the underworld, it's
0: a little scary. Yeah, it's a little bit disconcerting. (laughs) It's so true.
1: It's so true. So the chorus ends Act 1 by saying, Oh, on this terrible day, the eternal order of nature has been subverted. A wrathful god has unlocked hell and ghosts rise from its dark regions. So that's how we end. End scene. Act one.
0: Curtain. Yeah. Clapping. Clapping, clapping. Champagne. Champagne. <laughs> okay. Perhaps some peanuts. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very tasteful peanuts and a little nice yeah. crystal glass.
1: So uh, you want to know about act two?
0: What happens? In
1: act two, <laughs> we are going to... Uh, Start off by remembering how important it is for us to choose a king. And um, Asur is going to go to Semiramide and say, I thought we had an agreement. Yeah. My queen. He's like, "Did yeah,
0: was I not treating you good, babe?
1: (laughs) And she's she's like, she knows he's going to be trouble. She knows he's going to be upset. Right. She's like, Asur, my decisions are final. I'm the queen. I am the queen. Mm -hmm. You are not. And by the way, Asur, I have something over you and don't forget it. I could tell people what you did. Mm. And he's like, I could tell people what you did, sweetheart. Mm. So they're, they're threatening each other. It's like
0: reality TV.
1: Oh yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I've got that video. There is a song that they are going to sing where, well, there's two songs and we'll listen to one of them where they're just both threatening each other. So let's let's listen to the one that is remember that dreadful night of death. Mm. Killer ricordati I believe in Italian ish.
0: Yeah. Yeah, let's listen. Okay. If you've just tuned in you're listening to Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL
2: orde del consorte, che miina e a tuo osso e ti ralete nel i tuoi espai- I'm going to say, Paul, Petey. Let's just repeat i
0: Feel like the victim could be either one of them. Yeah.
1: So it's if it's not a hundred percent clear yet, it is clear now. These two conspired to kill her husband. To kill her husband because to, they were lovers. Because they were lovers and they wanted him out of the way. And obviously, Assur did it on the assumption that he would be he would be the king. king. So he's he's really mad.
0: Well, he's and been hanging in there for 15 years. He
1: has. He has. That's a long time. And they're, and the pressure is on now because the ghost of the murdered king says, okay, Assyria can move on now, but I require a sacrificial victim. Mm-hmm. And they're both thinking, yeah, that would be you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right? They're yeah. both thinking the other one ought to pay. And he's being intimidating, but she is a queen and she's standing up, but she is
0: also guilty, feeling the pressure because she's guilty. And And does she know now that Arsace doesn't want to marry her or is that unclear? That's not
1: necessarily where she's focusing now. And I don't I don't think she's that's real clear to her yet. Okay, But she says because she's so in love with Arsace, well, maybe we can appease the ghost by getting Arsace to intervene on our behalf because he seems to like Arsace. The ghost does. <laughs> the ghost likes Arsache. So maybe Arsache <laughs> will put in a good word for us. And Asura is like, you know, no, this is n- just stop it. Just come to your senses and do my will, he basically says to her. Mm-hmm. And at a certain point, she kind of takes a deep breath and she goes, I have regained my strength. I am a queen and I am a warrior. We're going to listen to that right now.
0: You can kind of tell they're arguing now. Yeah. In fact, she says, I'm going to punish you.
1: The happy coveted moment is near. So this this little love affair has not
0: worked out completely well. No, they're not (laughs) parting ways amicably. It's not a conscious uncoupling. (laughs) I know. This is is old time, like two powerful people. Pushing and shoving. And she
1: says, tremble, you cruel man. Yeah. I will see you fall. You're going down. Yeah, and Asura's like, oh, no, oh, no, this cruel fate will not happen to me. I might fall, but I'll get my vengeance on you. Yeah. So, like there is I just... might
0: fall on top of you.
1: <laughs> so it's, it's pretty awful. So that scene ends and we go to the inside of the temple and... Mm-hmm. and we have the the chorus sets the feeling for us of this being a place of, of calm and mystery and we're going to have a little conversation here between the high priest and Arsache and the high priest is going to say prepare your soul for an unexpected and terrible blow and Arsache's like what are you talking about <laughs> and he says okay Guys, bring me the crown, the sword, and the paper. Those were the things in the box.
0: Oh, right. That Arsace right.
1: had mm-hmm. traveled with yep. and presented the him. The crown, the sword, and the paper. Okay. And he says, uh, kneel down, Arsace. On your brow, on your head, I place this holy crown of Ninus. And he says, What? 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 I mean, is, is Nina alive? Uh, may I serve him? I love my country. I'd like to serve in that way. He says, it is time for you to know a dark mystery young man. You are Nina. You are the son of Queen Semiramide and King Ninius. Dun, dun,
3: dun. Yeah,
1: big, big, big reveal there. Um, so now he's freaking out. He's freaking out. All of the people in the temple, all of the priests who are in the temple are kind of freaking out. And and he he the high priest explains to him further. He says, Fredate, the man you thought was your father, he saved you. Everyone believes you to be Arsace, but Arsace is dead. In other words, he had a son named Arsace. The son died and they just slipped this child Migno. in. And he was raised as this man's son because... The assumption was, if the king was murdered so cruelly, of course, his son would be would too. Would be as well, right. If he weren't spirited away. And he goes, wait, that means Nino He goes, that's right, he's your father. And he says, and Semiramide, the one who wants to marry me? He goes, yeah, that's your mom.
3: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah,
0: that's complicated.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. And he says, she is a wicked, wicked woman because she conspired to kill your father. Exactly. Exactly. And it says right here in a letter, this is the document. Remember the, the document that yes. was in there? Mm-hmm. He reads out the document. N- Ninius dying to his faithful. Fridate, I am dying. I have been poisoned. Save, save yourself from the same danger. And take care of Nina, my tender son, so that one day my son may avenge me. So these are directions given directly to... Arsache Niña, to avenge his father's death, just as the ghost said. He says, Assur betrayed me with my wicked wife. Well, this is just like bombshell, bombshell. Mm-hmm. This is a kind of bombshell. a lot to absorb. Yeah, it, it's it's a lot to absorb. But Arsace pulls it together and he says, yes, yes, give me the sacred blade. And he prepares to do this Vengeance to kill Assur, to kill Assur, but is he going to kill his mother? Well, see, that's exactly the line of thinking that that happens here. He says, "But my mother. Oh, maybe my father will forgive her because I, I can kill Assur. Yeah, I don't like him. I never liked him. <laughs> He's bad. I, he, we need vengeance. I can, I can do that, but I can't kill my mother. Mm-hmm. And maybe my father's ghost." If I can commune with him, maybe, maybe he will understand. And uh, meanwhile, the chorus and the high priest are really happy because they think things are going to be set back on the right track again, because the proper heir to the throne is going to come forward, is going to set things right. And they even say, with you, Assyria will be reborn.
0: But no pressure.
1: <laughs> That's right. And now, meanwhile, back to um, the dear princess Adzima. Adzima gets a lovely song, which we're actually not going to have time to listen to right now. Where she she just rails against Semiramide. She's furious that she has said to Edrino, "Yes, you sure you can marry the princess? Do whatever you want. You know, I'm marrying my love." And Edrino tries so he's so sweet. <laughs> Poor Adrino. he's he's tries so hard to say, but it's really going to be okay. We'll be so happy together. I love you so much. And Edzima's thinking, well, they haven't actually married those two yet. So I,
0: right. I may yet stand a chance. And meanwhile, Adrino's like firmly in the friend zone. <laughs> he's like, hey. And she's like, mm, no way. But
1: she ultimately concedes, I will obey the queen. All right. Well. But she thinks maybe something will happen. You got to do what you got to do. Yeah. Well, she might be right about something happening. You never know. Perhaps. Perhaps. At, at any rate, so that has all happened for Adreno. And we've now turned to, back to Semiramide and mm-hmm. Arsace, and
0: they are having their confrontation. Because, oh, where he's like, uh, when you said there was going to be a wedding, I thought you meant to Edzima, and she's like, "What do you mean?" Well, yeah, and and she and even
1: before the whole wedding thing comes up, she is confronted by Arsace and says, "You and that man, that wicked, wicked man, conspired to kill my father," and oh. she's completely confused, and he shows her the document. <gasps> he shows her the dog. So just it. out of nowhere, he's like, I know what you did. I know what you did. And by the way, I'm your <sighs> son. And my father wants me to
0: revenge his, de- avenge his death. So yeah, it's such has some cojones there. He's like, I'm going to just go straight up to my, my mother who wants to marry me and be like, yeah, I know what you did. You killed my father with your exactly. lover. Exactly. You're a bad person. You're going down. Yeah.
1: Now it's sounding a little like Hamlet, isn't it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And she just collapses under this pouring out of information and she says strike me. avenge your father, punish your mother. Just kill me now. Man. Basically. And then he softens and says, "But you're you're my mother. I'm not going to kill you. I can't kill my mother." Well, so what happens? <laughs> Well, let's listen to a little excerpt of the two of them singing together. So remember, this is a soprano and a Mm mezzo-soprano. This is going to be a little excerpt of a song called Day of Horror, when they remember what a horrible thing it was that King Ninus was killed. And I'd like to just call your attention to this. I don't usually point out the musicality because that's not my specialty. But I think one thing that's very interesting about this song is that there is Such minimal orchestration. This is so bel canto. It is all about the the voices. voices and these two beautiful voices blending together. So this is an excerpt from Day of Horror.
0: listening to opera for everyone on 891 KHOL and on today's episode we are listening to Semiramide by Rossini. And where are we in the story now, Pat? Well, things are tense. <laughs> the mother has just realized that the, the
1: the person she wanted to marry is actually her son, and he knows that she and her lover killed his father 15 years prior. Exactly. And what happens next is the two of them are trying to figure out this situation. Once he's shown compassion to her, he says, yes, I need to avenge my father's death, but I'm content to do that with Asur. I don't need to kill my mother. And the question is, will the ghost
0: of be my okay father with
1: that. be okay with that? So we'll see how that plays out. And then we get to hear a little bit from Asur. And Asur is on stage for quite a while with a whole chorus of soldiers In other words, these are the guys backing him up. And so it's this fabulous male chorus. And Asur essentially loses it for a while. He goes nuts. He sees visions. He sees things that aren't there. And even in the staging, it's not one of those stagings where you can see the ghost that he's seeing. He's just there's nothing there. And he's reacting to this phantom vision of the ghost or whatever that's trying to Mm. punish him. And the chorus essentially turns on him and said, you've betrayed us, you've let us down, you've lost the throne, you're not a strong man like we thought you were.
0: Are they mad that he killed the king 15 years ago, or are they just like, we were backing you because we thought you were going to be they're the new not,
1: king? They're not completely aware that he has killed oh, the king. Oh, I see. Okay. so They the... just
0: see oh. that he has lost power and influence. Oh, I see. Okay. yeah. So the high priest knows, yeah. Arsache knows, Semiramide knows. Does and the ghost knows. And the ghost knows. (laughs) Do Idrino and Azima know? Not that I'm aware
1: of. Okay. I don't don't believe so. And we're going to hear just a little excerpt of an aria by Asur here where he's talking to this phantom that's threatening him. And it's called Stop, Calm Down, Forgive Me.
0: Dei ti ferma, ti placa, perdona.
2: Quella giorno già sento nel quella viso mi colma d'amore pace dell'ombra
0: So that was Assur, one of the characters in Rossini's Semiramide, and he's doesn't sound that crazy for a crazy guy like well, pleading for his life. He's talking to a ghost. It's threatening him. He's, he, the ghost is
1: hovering over him in his imagination. We don't see it, but he's describing it. And he says, let me go from your terrible sight. I already feel that blade in my breast, the abyss. It fills me with dread. Go back to the peace of your tomb. Have pity on my terrified heart. I don't feel very sorry for him. Well, he's, you know, he's not been very nice throughout the whole He's a narcissist. Yeah, he hasn't been nice, um, but he does, at the end of this scene, he does come back to his senses. This vision vanishes and he regains some of his courage meanwhile change of scene we are inside the tomb where this revenge is supposed to take place
0: in the, in King ninus's tomb that's right where is the ghost there do we see the ghost
1: ever can we see the ghost um we do see the ghost uh, when he's earlier there. Oh, remember see, okay. when he was calling for revenge that's right yeah we do see the, we see the ghost um then and we might see him at this point I, I can't recall to tell you the truth but as we're in this dark tomb, we have our key characters, Arsace, and we also have the chief priest, and we have Semiramide, and ultimately we have Assur, all showing up to express their concern and their dread. And Assur and Arsace speak of their own ability to to take this matter in hand, and it's going to be okay. And then we've also got the high priest encouraging. Arsache or Niña mm-hmm. at this point. And Semaramede prays. She prays that it's all going to work out. And she prays to her dead husband, please protect our son. Because she knows, like, when even if he's the one going out to get revenge, it's a pretty risky proposition right. for him as True. well. So, so she's not a total monster.
0: No. Uh, she, it's complicated, right?
1: <laughs> it's definitely complicated. Ultimately, we're going to end with a song where the chief priest... Encourages the son to get revenge on his father's behalf. Nina Fershi. He says, Nina, strike.
0: So that was a lot of pomp and circumstance. What happened there, Pat? Well, it was pretty intense, right? Yeah. Remember,
1: we're in a tomb. Not a lot of uh, high quality lighting in a tomb. Oh. Yeah. Oh, no. So what happens? (laughs) Well, Arsace is encouraged to strike and strike he does. And uh, he can tell that his sword hits home. He has killed his uh, his victim. And was it the right person? Then he hears Assur's voice. Oh,
0: gosh. <laughs> well, you
1: know what happened, of course, right?
0: No. He kills his mother. Oh, no. And then does he have to kill Assur, too? No, he
1: kills his mother and he's terrified. And the chief priest says, good work my son, heaven is appeased. He sees it as, it's all okay because the, uh, the revenge has taken place. Right. And Asur is losing it. Asur, you know, is swooning and says, well, I, I still have my, my daggers, my sword, I can kill myself. And the chief <sighs> priest says, no, that must not be. You cannot do that. We need you. Really? Yeah. So, now this is, an old time opera, yeah. So even a tragedy gets a happy ending. We have a happy ending now. Can you believe it? I oh, okay, but so what happened? We're so accustomed to operas where there's just blood everywhere and, death and somebody jumps off a parapet, <laughs> a curtain comes down and it's all over. No, we need a happy ending here because we can't send people sad out into the you know into the night into after the their cold, opera experience. So. At the end of all this, there's a triumphal procession, which we're going to hear in just a second. And we're going to have Adrina is going to walk in with Adzima. Adzima is going to say goodbye to him. She's going to couple up with Nino. Right. Ni- Arsace. Arsace, she's Arsace. With her long lost love, the two lovers are going to be reunited. Right. And the chorus is going to sing with joy that the the rightful king is now reigning. Happy ending. And scene.
0: All right. Well, let's listen let's, to that. Let's go out on this triumphal march. You're listening to Opera for Everyone on 891 KHOL, and this is the very last song of Semiramide by Rossini. Thanks for listening to another episode of Opera for Everyone. I'm Keely Heron. And I'm Pat Wright. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. And like our Facebook page, Opera for Everyone, where you can also send us a message. We know that opera can be challenging. But everyone loves a good story. And a story set to music is even better. That's why our mission is to make opera Opera for everyone. everyone.